0: New episode of the Retail Podcast by Beauty. In these episodes, we speak to global change makers in retail, those that are moving the needle, pushing for change and creating impact. Did you know that by 2024 the predicted global spend in the skincare industry will amount to $180 billion? The beauty industry has seen rapid growth that's only been accelerated even more by the pandemic. But the biggest change in the last decade is that today's buyers are very conscious and driven by research and awareness. Skincare brands today are striving to deliver excitement to their consumers, including customizing ingredients to suit their skin, creating clean, cruelty-free products, being transparent about ingredients and in their delivery and fulfillment services. One brand that has really mastered this soon after their inception is Dot & Key. Dot & Key has taken an unconventional approach to skincare, and they define the idea behind their products as lifestyle needs that are often overlooked. And of course, their out-of-the-box formulations, clean ingredients, and cruelty-free products address skincare problems that we often overlook, and that makes them indispensable in our beauty cabinets. Today, I'm joined by Soyash Saraf, the co-founder of Dot & Key. Welcome, Soyash. We're very excited to have you here with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited for the conversation and uh, thanks thanks for having me over.
0: Fantastic. So, so uh, let's kind of jump right in by talking about just how Dot and Key came to be and the success you've seen in the last two years because a market like this, um, you know, in India is fairly competitive and it's pretty hard to break in and consumer needs are constantly evolving. So, tell us what was the idea of starting a brand like this and how has the journey been so far?
1: Sure. So, so basically about two and a half, three years ago, uh, me and my wife wanted to do something very fresh and very interesting. And, you know, we were, we were racing with ideas and, uh, you know, we suddenly came up to a point where we thought, okay, let us think about things that we want, but no one's really fulfilling those for us. Right. And that's the best uh, point to start with for, for any product development or any product company. And and, and we realized, like, for example, I have very dry hands, so I always found a hand cream, but I never found a hand cream with a sanitizer, right? So we thought that, okay, let, let us point that and write that down, and we probably will find something. So we ra- started researching. We couldn't find anywhere in India. We couldn't find any product globally for something like this. And realized, okay, that there you go. There we see an opportunity. So we could definitely make one of those. Uh, my wife is a swimmer, so she she used to always have like tanned uh, uh, tanned like skin after after her swim, you know, and her hair used to be really frizzy. So so we realized that you know there had to be something made for this, you know, that there, there should be something that's made for dry uh, for dry tanned uh, skin after the swim and like the really frizzy hair which stays after the shampoo. So we noted that down and and like this, we noted about 50 different uh, skin issues that we came across and we listed them down and we realized, okay, there the world is full of gaps. So let's fulfill it. Right. And uh, that's how we came up with a first set of, uh, uh, first set of uh, products of uh, fulfilling these needs. And uh, we went to market, you know, and we thought online is the only way going niche because we are online only. And uh, and we can target this niche uh, segment, and uh, hopefully people would like us. And uh, that's how Dotiki was born two and a half years ago. And our name resonates what we do, right? We identify uh, the tiny dots or skin issues, and we provide the key or the solution to these skin issues. And, and that's what Dotiki did, and that's that's how we coined the name Dotiki.
0: That's funny because that was going to be my next question because I was curious to understand, you know, um, how the name Dot came in place. That makes complete sense. And I think you pointed out something really interesting. You talked about um, most beauty brands today are just selling you a product. But I think what's different about your story is that you found a gap for something that you experienced personally, which is why you felt like this was something that would be in the market. And I think that's really important because very rarely do brands listen to the problems of consumers and actually formulate things, um, you know, for that. So that's probably why you didn't also find what you were looking for early on. And that's how you came to realize that there were so many gaps. Um, Yeah. So that's really interesting. So today the beauty industry is, Um, somewhat a saturated market globally but in India it's slightly different because I think like we talked about um, you know consumers are starting to be a lot more aware they're starting to make smarter choices do research actually care about the ingredients that are um, you know put in their products so I wanted to kind of understand um, you know you've You've been able to capture shoppers' attention and that's such a mammoth task because you've built a strong online presence since you launched, you know, you have over 100,000 followers on Instagram, there's so many collaborations with various influencers. So in a market like this where there's so much information, there's so much exposure to stuff, how have you been able to stand out uh, and consistently get the attention of, of shoppers today?
1: So it's a very important question and we ask ourselves this question every day, right? Because there's never a right answer for this. So uh, I, I believe, uh, you know, actually building a consumer brand is more like a marathon uh, rather than a sprint. Because uh, you can't do everything uh, very fast, but you have to constantly build day on day, week on week, month on month. And uh, um, there's no shortcuts to this. And what what we have done over time is we have focused on what we truly believe consumers want. And we believe that consumers do want a lot of self-love. And they're looking for that uh, coming through their products. Um, And our products do make them feel great about themselves, really uh, deliver what we commit as a brand uh, in terms of the efficacy of the product and and we genuinely make products which are truly world class so today we're selling in india tomorrow our products can go overseas uh, very easily because that's the kind of standard we uh, keep for our products so an indian audience which is uh, which is kind of exposed uh, to a lot of brands uh, from from abroad but uh, loving an indian brand is is a very big deal for us and we're we targeting those audience who are buying very expensive skincare ingredients, um, which are being imported from abroad. And we match that standard and we try the Indian consumer to buy Indian products. like Because they can be equally good, if not better than them. And there is an audience uh, always if you have a good product. So that's what we're focusing on as a brand. And uh, we're trying to, uh, try to reach out to these audience, talk to them understand what they do and and launch products based on what they really, really require. So so that is one of the reasons why we feel that uh, we are growing as a brand and people are showing us a lot of love.
0: You talked about um, consumers expecting sort of the same standards as international beauty brands, right, with Dot and Key. There is also the price pricing angle there and there's also the accessibility angle those are two big things as well that dot and key can offer over I think a lot of international brands especially during a time like the pandemic when you had access to no beauty uh, all of your stuff is over it runs out but you don't have access to buy any of the stuff and then you start kind of exploring doing your research I mean that happened to me also personally so you know I'm also looking at stuff and I'm like okay all my things are over I want to buy new things Um, is this also you know something that has been an advantage for you because uh, you know the import costs of these really expensive products or the duties on them and just the accessibility to really good skincare that can constantly be replenished every few months is that also been something that's uh, an advantage especially in the last year
1: of course of course so so basically what what's happened over time is that uh, you know consumers think that uh, indian skincare is not great and only if it's foreign or if it's imported, uh, that that's really good, uh, which is absolutely not true. Because sometimes Indian brands use the same ingredients, or the same quality ingredients as as foreign brands. Uh, but the pandemic has definitely shown the Indian audience that Indian products are as good uh, and as well made as as uh, as as imported ones. And I think this pandemic pandemic has definitely helped create a bunch of homegrown. Uh, well thought of great product oriented skincare brands uh, in the market and which has been very good for uh, I, I feel the local players
0: yeah absolutely and i kind of want to jump in a little bit into the shoppers itself today right um let's assume you know a lot of consumers right now are typically your modern millennials and Gen Z and they're a lot more aware of the products that they use in comparison to how skincare and beauty was looked at even a decade or two decades ago. Uh, And they care a lot about ingredients that go on their face. They expect transparency. They expect you to tell them exactly what's in the product and all of that. And um, I think one really important aspect in the last couple of years has also been packaging. I think that's something that's really evolved in skincare and you know, whether the product is cruelty free. So one thing that I've noticed, and I think that could also be just my viewpoint, but there's something about dot and case packaging also that's very approachable, right? It doesn't make you feel overwhelmed, like you don't know what to do with it, like some really expensive luxury brands where you see the product and you're like, oh, I'm not even sure if I want to touch that because it's just, I don't know what to do with it. So how are you making even beauty and skincare approachable? Because there's not been much information and education around skincare and beauty in India specifically. And we're always... um, we're always more tuned towards the very Ayurvedic old world stuff, but there's not much education around like acids, how often to use them, how well to use them. So how are you bringing about that kind of education and interest in today's shoppers? So, uh, so what's
1: happened over time, um, Indian shoppers are very conscious shopper, right? And now they are like with social media, like Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I think the Indian shoppers have access to a lot of information. Uh, from abroad, from different countries, from products across the globe. So the world has become flat. So because of that, there are a lot of global ingredients which are trending right now, which makes consumers, uh, which makes consumers want to explore them, want to understand them, want to use them, want to reap the benefits of them. So what what we've been successful, uh, in, we've been successful in doing is using Instagram and YouTube. Uh, we've, we've got these products, we've got these ingredients in our portfolio. And we made sure we've gone out there and and educated consumers about it benefit, how to use it, when to use it, which product to use it. So consumers have resonated back to us with regards to this because consumers have really understood this. Consumers have really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed learning about it. And now slowly these ingredients are coming into mainstream and a lot of international larger players have started introducing these concepts into India. But... Uh, fortunately for the Indian consumers, it started uh, the whole trend of these ingredient-based products have been started by homegrown uh, companies in India.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's that's so true. And I think it kind of also brings me to, you know, my next question. I think a brand like Dot & Key has certain very important pillars that drive the business one is of course your community itself you're so in touch with your users as opposed to how brands approached uh, consumers even you know a decade ago today you probably get a thousand dms with both positive and you know positive comments as well as complaints or yeah. anything around fulfillment so you're very much in touch with the consumer and that helps you that helps inform your product development process right so can you share any kind of interesting insights or things that have really helped uh from the community perspective that have helped you uh you know kind of implement that back in your product development or your product roadmap
1: absolutely i think i think crowdsourcing seems like a very interesting impressive word but uh, honestly like uh, online native brands uh, crowdsourcing is something which is very normal for us now because it's part of our ecosystem uh, we are so close to consumers and we talk to them so often like through dms through messages uh through uh, probably texting through even calls and we realize that if you're in touch with a consumer it's very easy for us to launch the next product because they tell us this is what i want please make this this is what i want please make this so what happens is over time you develop a very strong bond with consumers right in general your community in general and, and they keep on throwing up certain certain keywords that they want or certain products that they want. Like for example, you know we 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 have serum for the underarm, we have a mask for the underarm, which we launched like two and a half years ago with the brand. And and a lot of consumers have been telling us we need something for the booty, we need something for the booty. Like we really want a product that will that will help us, you know, kind of uh, reduce the cellulite, you know, reduce uh, reduce uh, a little bit of darkness in in the booty area. Which, which was quite uh, uncommon and unconventional for us as a brand. And, and honestly, we never thought that we'd do this. But two years into the brand, a year and a half into the brand, we realized that the have been constantly asking us for this and they wanted a solution. So we, we introduced the product into the market and it, it's been a good success. Uh, apart from this, like, you know, what, what we've seen over time is like, for example, near as an ingredient was trending globally. No one in India was doing the product, like was it making a neosinamide based product. So uh, we thought, okay, let's let's kind of get this product onto the market so that the consumers can really want this. So we've seen this uh, over DMs. People have messaged us that we really want uh, an smi based product, and and hopefully it's it's a higher percentage. So we introduced a product based on completely what they they had been asking us to do. So that is that is the basic thought we now have in introducing products. Like people come to us, they want certain benefits, there's certain want certain ingredients because they're so well-informed now uh, because of social media channels and, and we try to incorporate everything they, uh, that they want so that uh, people do... Like, it, uh, as I say it, right? We don't create products that consumers do for us. All we do is we take those inputs, put it into a physical product and give it back to them. So it's them that create the
0: product now. Right, and that's absolutely fantastic because at the end of the day when your consumers are driving your product the loyalty is again there because they know that you are listening to them and you're creating something for them as opposed to something that's completely you know in a different direction so that's that's fantastic i love the thought that your, commun- your community is the one that creates your products that's pretty great um i also thought we could you know touch upon another pillar um of you know retail and shopping that's very important today and that is um, just the experience even online um, so I just wanted to understand what are some of the interesting things that you're able to do with technology to um you know make sure that your customers have it easy on the site it's convenient from when they log in all the way to the time they check out um, what is the experience like and how have you designed that um, or or what have um what are some of the steps you've taken to personalize that journey from the beginning to the end for each customer so,
1: so what, what we've done is, uh, you know, first you've mapped where, where do our customers go, uh, you know, uh, what, what do they click on, where do they spend time at, like using heat mapping and we've kind of understood what they do. And uh, once once that is done, uh, we have we have a couple of softwares that we use, which helps us uh, create uh, customer journey flows, uh, which, which automates emailers, SMSs, banners, and things like that on the website. Uh, for example, if someone's on a certain page for more than say 20 seconds, they get a pop-up um, probably giving a discount or probably like upselling another product or just saying, okay, this might be the best part in the world. Don't miss out. So, uh, so we kind of uh, create these flows so that uh, uh, communication with our audience is personalized. And uh, depending on, uh, uh, depending on probably we have flows depending on uh, a consumer uh, having a Bought, buying a product like three months ago, like uh, we've come back to our website, probably buying some other product. So we know the skin type. So you probably show them a banner which shows that, okay, uh, for, for say acne prone skin, you might try these products as well. So it's it's very personalized and uh, very communicative so that people do come on our website and really enjoy uh, the buying experience.
0: Do you feel like you have... Um You know, a physical space eventually when things die down in the pandemic so people can come and learn things at a store or do you have any plans of expansion into a physical space?
1: Uh, Of course, I think every online brand wants to be physical as well, ultimately. Um, And uh, we probably want to have a store uh, or stores of our own as well going in the future. But uh, in today's generation, and today's era, uh, having personalized online store is key. Because online store is also a store. It has to be seen uh, like a shopfront, And uh, personalization using technology is something which is absolutely essential and which is very scalable in today's world. Because uh, So that you can reach all the relevant audience. And of course, moving forward, it's always good to have physical stores so that people can uh, touch and feel you and probably have your product in their pocket within 30 minutes or one hour from them imagining it if possible. So, for that reason, I would definitely want to have a, a experience-based store.:
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think experience stores are what the future is going to look like. It's kind of going to be a perfect middle of online and offline where yeah. you can browse, learn a lot online, and then go experience the you know the product and everything offline. so absolutely, yeah. Um, that kind of brings us towards the end of our podcast. I do have uh, you know another question or two for you. So we've been seeing a lot of B2C brands really push the limits in terms of innovation um, and just kind of appeal to various types of consumers, especially through tech. And you know, it's like there's we're seeing AR filters, lots of educational content, auto replenishment features, um, using historical data for smarter recommendations. There's a lot happening uh, in terms of convenience do you um where do you see you know uh, homegrown d2c brands uh, going in the next few years in india how do you think people how do you think it's going to evolve how do you think consumers are going to respond to it what are your thoughts on
1: i think uh, homegrown d2c brands is the way to go uh, because it's founded by people who are really passionate about what they do and uh, and probably they want to create something which is larger than life. And honestly, this energy, this passion, the speed with which they work, the kind of thought process which they bring on, onto the table is so dynamic that uh, that they will definitely grow and they will dominate spaces and probably create uh, mammoths going forward. Um, I'm seeing a lot of them being listed on the stock exchange very soon. Uh, and uh, I I always have a saying right I, I have a thought uh, when it comes to brands and business you know it's no longer the big that eat the small it is it is the fast that eat the slow right so using this philosophy uh, I think B two C brands are agile they're fast they're like the cheetahs in the modern world and um, as long as they keep themselves that I think there's no stopping them
0: right absolutely. And um, you know I will end the podcast with the last question, which is any sort of advice or entrepreneur, entrepreneurial advice for um, founders in, in this space, in BGC homegrown spaces. What are some of the three most important business lessons you would share with them, especially in the early phases? What are the things they should really pay attention to?
1: I think uh, the number one thing is, uh, you need to start something which you are passionate about. If you want to make money and start a business, I don't think it's the right way to do it, especially modern B2C business. You have to be really passionate about what you're doing and create something that interests you and your audience. Because if it doesn't interest you, uh, I'm pretty sure after a certain point, you lose interest and you lose, lose the energy uh, driving it. So first point. Uh, second point, uh, I'd say you need to look at the bigger picture. Like, What do you want to do with your business five years down the line? How do you see yourself? when you're starting out. So if you see yourself as something, uh, you know, if you see yourself uh, at the top of what you're doing in five years ta- time and still enjoying it in your head, I think you got to do it, right? Because that's the right way to do. Uh, third thing, uh, I, I strongly believe that uh, uh, tech enabled businesses uh, scale up way faster than traditional businesses. So um, you like any business can be tech enabled and any business can be scalable. Just the right model has to be found uh, doing it so if if any entrepreneur is thinking of starting a business you should think about using technology as much as possible it will reduce hassles uh, in the longer term it will reduce uh, it will reduce leakages and it will help you reach audience much 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 faster in a traditional business so use technology leverage it and see how it can be done because honestly technology is a very abused word but if it's used with to its full potential, any business uh, can scale to any limit. So, so embrace it and uh, move forward using it. And, and uh, I'm sure if you do it passionately, there's no turning back.
0: Amazing. I think these were some fantastic lessons and I'm sure our listeners will find it very valuable. Um, thank you so much, Suryash. I felt like we learned a lot about Dot and & Key and um, just the direction you're headed in as a brand. Clearly, homegrown B2C brands are the way to go and uh, we're really excited to see what what's coming up in the next few months and years for Dot & Key. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank, thank you, Aksha.
1: Thank you for having me and uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation.
0: For more information and more podcasts on topics like this, please log into view.ai and check out our resources section. You'll be able to hear the stories of multiple brands across the globe telling, um, talking about their success and their definition of what retail is today. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Bye.